You're listening to Tomb Raiders, a gem of a podcast. We talk about art, creativity, entertainment, and many other topics. Hosted by Mike Lopez and Lalo Guerra. Hello, my friends. I'm Mike Lopez. I'm your host and creator of this gem of a podcast. We will bring and talk with artists and creators around the world. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to this new episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode nine of Tomb Raiders podcast. Hey, Eduardo, what's up? How are you? Very well, Mike. Uh, still sad because Vicente Rojo, a great visual artist and a graphic designer, uh, died here in Mexico at the age of 89. Uh, but I'm really happy, as always, in this Tooth Raider adventure, my friend. Happy to be here. I'm glad, man. I'm glad. So before I start, I'm just going to tell you that we have a very, very special guest. This is episode nine, Tomb Raider's podcast. And this is going to be so amazing. I'm very excited because I recently met her and we've been talking a little bit and it's time to roll out the red carpet for our special guest, Elisa Annette. Welcome to the show, Elisa. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm well. I am well. Awesome. Awesome. So Elisa, she's an American uh, stage film and voice actress who has done work with Funimation Entertainment. And if you're not familiar with Funimation, it's all about manga and anime, especially anime. Uh, so this is great for our podcast and for you guys that are listening. If you like manga and anime, I'm just going to mention some of the characters that that she performs with her voice. So she's shipped up uh, Ace Attorney uh, from Songs Collection Isabel uh, from Castle Town Dandelion. She's done many many voices uh, as well as Fairy Tale, uh, Katana Maidens, Toji no Miko, Minato Fujiwara. Uh, there's a very very specific one that I love and I think you also like. Uh, she's from Kimono Friends and she's the North American Beaver, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I, I'm like, oh, this should be one of her uh, more fun to dub, I guess. Yeah, right? it, that one was fun. She was a she was hilarious. I loved her. Uh, that's awesome. And, and there's so, so many more. If you want to talk a little bit about the other characters, because the list is, is big and you also do a lot of uh not only voices you actually are an actor and, and mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about it so i've i'm also a film and tv actor um awesome yeah so it, it's interesting i i uh have i would say recently recent being like 10 years maybe <laughs> i've mm -hmm. come back into <laughs> acting before that i was a stage manager but before that i was also an actor so um Coming back into film acting and TV acting is has felt like coming back home, in a, in a sense. But now with all this other life experience that I can use and and help express what the writers and what the directors are are wanting to have seen on stage and on screen. So, Elisa, what sparked your career as a voice actress? Uh, let's see. Um, I had a lot of energy when I was a kid, <laughs> so <laughs> I was always bouncing up the walls and and had a lot of imagination. I still have a very, very active imagination, but especially when I was a little kid, I just would go into my own sort of little world, but invite everybody else to come with me. Like, I remember when I was in maybe first or second grade, something like that. There was a jungle gym outside of the school that I was at. It was like a Catholic school. And so um, there was this jungle gym. And for whatever reason, we decided to play pirate ship. And I was one of the pirates, but we made pretend that the ground was lava and that if you touch the ground, you turn into a zombie. So <laughs> cool. I somehow I made up these rules just on the fly and I got the teachers who were who were nuns. I got them involved. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. Let's let's play around with this. And so it's just this beautiful sense of play. And I remember when I was, uh, yeah, third grade, we did a play kind of like Wizard of Oz meets Christmas. And um, I was a poinsettia. <laughs> But darn it, I was the best poinsettia there ever was. And I just loved being up there and seeing the lights and everybody in costume and people being just different and big and crazy and just expressive. And so I just got hooked with that and um, being crossing like a threshold of what is the now or the reality and crossing that threshold into Neverland or to um, Pirates of the Caribbean uh-huh. or something else and just having fun with that. And so now even, and so now even today, it's like, it's all about imagination for me. I, I picture if it's not in front of me, I still picture it. So that way then I'm involved in that world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> By the way, did you, did you write or do you draw or any other type of? So I do, art? I do sort of draw. I don't really call it drawing. It's more of, mm. of, like, finger painting in a sense, where it's mm-hmm. I'll take like oil pastels, like they're they're kind nice. of, and so I'll take those and then um, just start smudging around with those. Um, usually on a, a, a black piece of paper where it's like light coming out of black. And so mm-hmm. just I'll play around with that. I do write some. I have been known to write scenes for acting classes because <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. I'll find something's like, this is boring for me. I need something else. And so <laughs> I will just write something <laughs> and mm-hmm. and perform it in acting class and then expand upon it maybe a little bit more. Um, that, that's great. And I yeah. ask because I know that there's some actress or actors that just uh, they don't like to just perform. They like to add a little bit more to the character that they are performing and intensity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, uh, like an example, Harrison Ford, when he did the I know in Empire Strikes Back. Right. That wasn't in the script. Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. became like mm-hmm. a like wow no it's it was like amazing oh um, yeah oh yeah you know, i love you i know <laughs> <laughs> it is like the perfect moment and it's so true of, uh-huh. of on solo <laughs> exactly exactly so we're geeking out now so mm-hmm. anyway so it's it's just that because i like to add that, to ask that and i'm glad that you mentioned that it all started when you were uh super young and i mm-hmm. think that's the way it should be you need to keep that same energy all the time you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that's amazing yeah when I was in college I had a professor um he would give us quotes of the day in our play analysis class and one of the things he said that I remember to this day and I hold it very close to my heart is that um life is similar to a box of crayons not a box of chocolates but a box of crayons Mm -hmm. and that when you come into this world you have the big crayola box of crayons Mm -hmm. just all the colors imaginable imaginable Mm -hmm. speak elisa and (laughs) and with the pencil sharpener in the back you know and you have this beautiful box with all these different colors and in life you end up using all these colors But if you're not careful and you don't replenish your box, you are left with a used like a nub of a gray crayon without the wrapper, Mm -hmm. half of a black crayon and a very muddied white crayon. And that's it. Wow, that's that's a great analogy. So our job as artists is to constantly replenish that box of crayons but not to hoard it, but to use it to express with. Very nice. I love that. When I got out of college, I had gotten my degree for uh, a BFA in theater, so performance directing track. But when I got out of college, I actually went to Milwaukee Repertory Theater as an apprentice for stage management. 
completely different from acting. So I just fell into the stage management thing because I had a relationship with the people in charge there. And they said, we really like you. We want you to come back. And so I said, okay. So (laughs) I gave stage management a shot. And um, for about... 10 plus years I was a stage manager professional stage manager in theater and opera and I remember whenever I was doing calls to the artists to the maestros to the designers even paging calls over the paging system headset calls over the headset (laughs) I would always get back you know you have a really good voice you you need to be doing something with that and there was even a guy when my it was oh, it nice. was New Year's Eve 1999, I think it was. No, wait, I take that back. Not 1999. It was New Year's Eve um, 2007. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. more recent. It was, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you call that recent. <laughs> so... so so New Year's Eve 2007, the okay. car that I had at the time had broken down and this tow truck driver, we were talking and he was driving me to Music Hall where Dallas Opera was uh, used to perform and we had a tech that night and I needed to be there. So he dropped me off at Music Hall and he looked at me and he goes, you need to do something with your voice. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you either need to be speaking, teaching or singing. And I said, oh, okay, I will take that to heart. And it that just stuck with me. And I just thought, you know what? A lot of people have been saying I need to do more with my voice. <clears throat> and um, with speaking, teaching, or singing. And so I thought, well, let's try the speaking stuff. And so um, I've had wow. some, I had made some friends who uh, are into voice acting. They're like, oh, yeah you would be great at it the way that you talk about the opera singers of course (laughs) and so so, um they just kind of left that bug in my ear and it wasn't until maybe 2010 or 2011 where I finally got up the courage to go you know what I'm gonna audition so that's when I started um auditioning more for voiceover stuff and that's when I got into Funimation (laughs) and it was just play it was the characters that they uh had me audition for were such big life characters such huge personalities like yes i can play with this if they don't like it they can just say you know what tone it down a bit i'm just gonna play and so i just went in there just playing around (laughs) and Mm -hmm. they're like we love this you've never done this before and I went no (laughs) (laughs) not with the time codes and stuff no (laughs) maybe in the car sure with Lion King in the background (laughs) yes (laughs) right (laughs) which by the way Lion King you know that was based on an anime cartoon it, it was like uh yeah it's it's a it's a white lion actually really i love disney oh yes I, i'll tell you a little bit about it when we finish okay. but it's it has a very specific name about that lion but it's a white lion and it, it was done in the in, in the 80s so love disney it. took that yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah we, we can be talking here for two okay. hours, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway sorry to interrupt you no, but that's that's how I just got into that. I mean, I've always loved musical theater. And so a lot of the characters had a lot of the similar characteristics of those that you would find in musical theater. And so I just embraced that and just played with it. Now, the a lot of voiceover has become more naturalistic and more like film. So it's they'll even request that specifically in some of the audition sites like we don't want anything over the top we want things very natural very conversational so it's 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 in things are changing Um, they're still keeping some of the over the top theatrical stuff but now they're becoming Mm -hmm. more specific with what it is that they're they're asking for 
And and that led me to some something that I'm thinking like once you're there, like um, making the voices of these characters, mm -hmm. who is the director? It has to be somebody from Japan, or how do you get that intention to the character? So what happens in in the recording studio is that we do see the Japanese version first, what they call the J version. We'll see the J. Mm -hmm. And they'll that'll be on one screen, and then on the, another screen, side by side, will be the text, the dialogue, and it'll be it. in the English with the time code, with mm -hmm. whatever the reactions are, um, because they want the the output really, really fast as far as production goes. Mm -hmm. So we see the J, we match the feeling of the J, because usually the J is already produced. So it already mm -hmm. has all the music and sound effects and how they want it. So then we just go in and we nice. match the feeling with right. the music, match the ex do our best to match the expressions of the characters, the inflections. And the director, the ADR director, they're geniuses as well as the engineers. They're absolute geniuses because they've been in it for so long. They'll say, no, right. we want a different color for this word because of this, that, and the other thing. And um, right. they will help fine tune so they can get the best performance. Excellent. Mm -hmm. That's nice. I, I've heard about that, <clears throat> but I'm asking for... You know, for, for the audience to know how it works, because maybe some of them are like, okay, how do they do it? Because it sounds so similar, right? Mm -hmm. And then it has to be a certain intention whenever there's action or wherever there's sadness yeah. or so, all those emotions. Yeah, because in, in the text before we get into the studio, um, they have the writers, that the translators and the writers, and so they will go through the J version and with a fine tooth comb, see what is sad, what is anxious, what the intention is, and they'll write it in the box of notes next to the line, um, circle this word, or um, react as if being punched in the gut, <laughs> or, <laughs> you yes, know, you know exactly. they will give these little beautiful blueprint notes with the dialogue. Because mm -hmm. so, usually when we go in there, we don't know what's going on they have to give us a synopsis right. of the scene and of the story and then we have a couple of times where we watch the j version with the english text on the one on the other screen just to get a sense mm -hmm. of the timing and how things need to flow and sometimes we hear the other characters english which helps mm -hmm. a lot of the times we don't <clears throat> right because you don't have to be all together Correct. right uh, okay Right, right, right. That's good. And you do all that uh, in a studio? Well, pre-pandemic, right? Yeah, pre-pandemic, it was all in the studio. And the times that we were together in um, the same booth with like five headsets mm. with one mic was whenever we were doing uh, Walla sessions, which is usually the crowd scenes. Um, mm -hmm. But usually it's just one person in the booth, the engineer and the director on the other side of the glass. Nice. And sometimes the director is also in the cast, so the director can give insight. In fact, with when I did Chronos um, Ruler, Richard okay. uh, Jerry Jewell actually was the director for it. He was oh, also cool. the lead voice for Chronos Ruler. And I was playing, I was voicing the the character that was his mother. And mm. so there was a scene where it was a highly emotional scene where he realizes um, this is his mother and she real and she's about to disappear out of this uh, makeshift world where the time had stopped at the point in his childhood. And it's, it's a rather emotional moment. And he, I was blessed that he had just recorded his portion of that scene before I came into the booth. So he was already mm. in that mindset. He already knew how things he, how he wanted things to go and to sound and to feel. And in fact, even over headset, he called me mom and went, Oh my gosh, just put a whole bunch of, wow. lot of feelings on this. <laughs> of course. So, yeah. so he wouldn't refer. So in that, on that particular scene, he, 
called me mom. He's like, okay, listen, mom, we need to do this and this and this. I went, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> you, he's into it. He's, he's, into, he's, he's already it. into it and he's directing it and he's on the other side of the glass. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it wow, helped. Fantastic. Yeah. So it helped a lot with that when you, when you know that the directors and the engineers are so invested into the the production it just helps elevate you to match that so um i have another mm -hmm. question what will be the project that you feel more proud of i would have to say katana maidens i'm pretty proud of that one as well as kimono friends and the, the reasons are similar um although the performances are okay. very different um For Katana Maidens, I will admit there were moments where it was not my best work. <laughs> I, I will I will admit that, where things quite, didn't quite match up, and I take ownership of, of, of that for, for me. Um, yes. But it, it was happening yeah, in a yeah. time in my personal life where things were just very, very shaken and unsteady. And having that project and having to voice the character of Minato really helped me through that time in my life it was um it was like minato was sort of mm -hmm. that that lighthouse for me so anytime i said minato's words of encouragement to her daughter in that oh, wow. um sort of uh dream like field wherever she would go when she was asleep um it was like those words of wisdom were just kind of hitting me where i when i needed to hear it And especially during playback, when we would hear just to make sure things synced up correctly, it was, they would just hit me a different way. And I would even ask them, it's like, do we have time for me to do another, another round at that or another take at that? Because mm -hmm. it just, it hits me differently now that I hear it. And they said, yeah, sure, let's try it again. And so we would try it again. And it just, it just had, it just had a different weight to it at that time when I needed it. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty proud of that one because of just what I was going through at the time and the fact that I was able to still do that and have it be an immediate feedback for me to keep going. Um, and then Kimono Friends is just so much fun. Again, it was during very much the same time, a little right. bit later, but during the same time of, of mm -hmm. my life where things were shook. Um, but it was... And it was with mm -hmm. Sound Cadence, and they were so wonderful, and it was mm -hmm. so much fun. And I was pretty, really proud of just the chemistry we all had, even though um, we weren't always there at the same time. But they were very giving and of making sure that we were having a time. And mm -hmm. it was, I'm really proud of the of the product of that because. American Beaver, she's cute. She's so cute, and so, and I was I was so happy to have her. I was like, oh my god, she's cute. <laughs> I know. By the way, do you go to like comic cons or you go like uh, to give autographs of your characters or anything like that? Uh, no, I've I've not yet had that chance. I would love to. In fact, when Kimono Friends came out, there was talk on Twitter, and I joined Twitter just because uh, Monica, not Monica, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but uh, the members of Sound Cadence, okay. they um, said, "Hey, we're about to announce. You, if you're not on Twitter, it, you might." want to get on it no oh okay so um i got on twitter specifically for the announcement of kimono friends and it was so interesting just the amount of love from yes. from the the from the community the anime community and the yes. the original lovers of kimono friends their that community when they saw that i was on twitter and they were like oh my gosh you know and of course and, and there was even a petition to have all the cast members of kimono both the original japanese actors as well as the american dub actors together at 
their uh, Japari Park or the Park for Kimono Friends that celebrates Kimono Friends there in Japan. And、mm-hmm. they got like so many signatures, but then the pandemic hit. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, that would have been a beautiful, like, my first foray into the convention world going to Japan. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. And I, you know what? I think you're going you're gonna to do it. And I'm going to see you there, hopefully, in one of those、yes. conventions. And I'm going to ask for an autograph and a photo. Yes, claiming、sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I watched a little bit of that performance you did from the North American Beaver.、Mm-hmm. It's so cute. And also, I watched uh, uh, a scene from、uh, Minato in Catalan.、Yes. Oh my God,、mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so different. That, like,、mm-hmm. that range that you work, it's, it's super cool. Thank you. Which character that you voice is the one that you identify the most, Elisa?、Um, it's split between two. One is Amer- North American Beaver from Kimono Friends because how anxious she is <laughs> and just how, she, how much of a planner she is. She'll plan and plan and plan and plan and make models of models and models of models and models of models, of models before actually executing her plan. <laughs> I felt very attacked with, with that because I. Do that. I tend to, to do that. I tend to over over plan, and I think that's like left over from my stage management life where you plan and plan and plan and plan. And yeah, so, um, so that's half, and the other half is, um, from this independent um pilot that I did for my friend uh Mike McAllister with uh when everything shut down. Uh, with the pandemic, he couldn't produce film the way he wanted to, so he taught himself animation. So he did these drawings and、um, did a couple independent shorts. And he asked me, he said, Hey, I have this pilot. I really think it would be great to voice this character,、mm-hmm. Sarah. And, oh, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah brain yeah. teasers. And so,、mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. When I read the pilot, I said, this is, this is the other part of me. This is that cynical, satirical, dry wit part of me. And so it's the combination of North American Beaver and Sarah are those that I, I identify with most. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And I ask this because, especially、uh, these characters from the anime world, from Japan, or from that culture, it has. Or, or、mm-hmm. especially on, on my case, it had a very important impact、uh, when I was a kid. It's not like Disney or Warner Bros. Or, this is different. This is like a more、yeah. that,、uh, kind of、uh, characters that you would watch whenever you were a kid or a teenager or an adult. And they mark、mm-hmm. a, a very important moment in your life. I remember the first one I, I saw in Mexico City.、Uh, Mm-hmm. It, it was one called, in, well, in Mexico City, it was called Remy. He was like a poor kid and、uh, he was having a really bad time and he was adopted.、Mm-hmm. He was looking for his mom all around the world, especially in Europe. It was super dramatic, like super,、mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of like、uh, Sandy Bell and Candy Candy. Like, I, I think they have a different. Um, name in the US,、uh, but oh my god, it was like super different, super human, a lot of emotions. Yeah, yeah there was, they, they did not shy away from human emotions, they did not shy away from the expression of human emotions and flaws.、Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I loved too. I remember my first anime, I don't remember the name of it, but I can tell you what it was about.、Mm-hmm. It was like these, it was, it was, it was Bible based, which I found、mm, weird, but it was, it was Bible based in the sense that it was all the Bible stories. Wow. 
and they had they would go through a lighthouse like it was this magical lighthouse okay. that would go back in time in with all these different bible stories and i remember there was the one story where jesus cast out these demons <laughs> and they went into the pigs oh, wow. and it scared the living daylights out of me <laughs> just <laughs> just the way they drew these demons i went oh what is this but then i would also as soon as that was done then i'd also watch you know Voltron Volt, of or <laughs> Messenger or Thundercats. Yeah, yeah. Because they even though <laughs> Thundercats is a US production, it has a lot mm -hmm. of Japanese uh, artists. Yes, it has a huge, huge influence. Mm -hmm. Gundam, I would watch Gundam. Gundam. Um, I even watched uh as I got older, watched uh Akira. Akira. Um that one and uh Spirit oh, there was Away. another one. Yes, yes, love Studio, Studio Ghibli. Studio, yes. Love it. Yes. Yes. And so, but it, it just had all these wonderful emotions that Disney would try to do, mm -hmm. but it just didn't, it, it, it isn't the same. It's a different it's feel. It's a different feel. I, I will say it's uh, deeper. Uh, it's more realistic because yeah. uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, 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 it's just unique. It's just unique, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. and it opened your eyes into a whole nother world and level of of sadness or repression around the yeah. world, and uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of very interesting, uh, intense uh, aspects of the culture that maybe you won't understand at that time, and yeah, and then they mix sci-fi. Oh my god, it's just amazing! It's yeah. they are amazing yeah. writers and animators. I mean, they put their soul and blood into it so yeah with the symbology of all the art that they put in there yeah it's it's wonderful one of my goals is to voice a character in a production similar to like a uh, cannon fodder or similar to uh attack on titan Ooh, i would amazing. love yeah i would love the chance to do a character on a show similar to that because there's so much depth yes to that it's more than just the gore that you see mm -hmm. like on the first episode it's more than that it's deeper than mm -hmm. that so that's amazing cool so mm -hmm. uh now you know, on during this pandemic how's your day by day mm -hmm. like what's your uh, what did you do what's your like uh, routine or well when everything first shut down i had to figure out what to do of next <laughs> Like everybody right, else, right. I was I was just kind of okay. What this is new, so mm -hmm. <laughs> what do we do? Mm -hmm. um, but then, as I um, unburied myself, like everyone else, I just started uh, just asking myself, okay, well, this is a reset button. What is it that I want to reset? And so I just started taking a good long look at what I wanted to reset mm -hmm. and upgrade and elevate so now my days to my day-to-days are um doing vocalizing every day just keeping my voice in of shape course. I audition every day um my wonderful agent Bankston Talent they um send me wonderful auditions both film and voiceover i also have a agent in la who sends lots of wonderful voiceover i recently got source connect so now i'm able to do even more awesome. auditions for that um and then just taking care of my mental health is huge mm -hmm. making sure that i i engage with nature mm -hmm. just outside yes. getting sun getting wind getting just doing that mm -hmm. and um keeping my mind sharp my imagination sharp rather than getting sucked glued into tv or doom scrolling on my phone yes. um, like i like i purposely deleted my facebook i used to have facebook i no longer have good. it it's and it's and it's not just the app it's like my profile is gone mm. i'm not on facebook okay, good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so it just it just got really really bad so mm -hmm. i needed to delete it and um and then just taking uh i used it to take opportunities to like i said keep my imagination sharp mm -hmm. so reading more yes. um reading more novels um 
getting that imagination going and then um, been taking online acting classes Mm -hmm. with Identity School of Acting. And they're based out in England in the UK. Nice. And so, yeah, and I had been following that school for a long time. And when, I think back in 2016, 2015, something like that, they opened up an L.A. branch. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to try and go out there, you know, for that. But that never really materialized for me to go out there and study mm-hmm. with them. So when the pandemic happened, they moved all their classes online. I thought, mm-hmm. ooh, this is it. I'm going to get in with Identity. Mm-hmm. And so I auditioned and I got in and I've been with Identity since the summer of 2020. Very cool. And so... Two two days a week, I train with them, so that's keeping my imagination sharp, and it's also been elevating my voice acting, so now my voice has changed, and so now during the days, I just play and explore, where is my voice sitting now? Who is coming through now? Because as we get older, our voices change, obviously, in puberty for both uh, boys and girls right. um, and then life changes happen mm-hmm. like for women it's usually like giving birth during the childbearing years things mm-hmm. like that um, but even life events change your voice because they change your perception of reality right. so of course you're going to have a different color coming through in your voice and so I've been having fun just exploring where is my voice sitting now, whose truth I can confidently express now, because it's different than what I used to do mm-hmm. before. Got it. And so, and so now I'm seeing different characters are starting to materialize through where, um, yeah, I had the upper range for American Beaver. I may not have that upper range as as much now because it doesn't fit with where I'm where I'm at now if that makes yeah, sense yeah totally um and so I may end up being more of a matriarch kind of character mm-hmm. or the the stronger more superhero mm-hmm. character um rather than the anxious one mm-hmm. so totally totally see that and um yeah. You talk about your voice, which is great, but then there's also the, the person, like the actress. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just for the audience to know that I mean, you played uh, uh, Yolanda Saldívar, uh, the killer <laughs> of C- Selena Quintanilla, among other characters. I saw your reel. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about that. And the other question that I have is how... Do you see uh, the city of Dallas as an opportunity for actors to be on film festivals? Because uh, I know it's growing little by little. It's not there yet, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's little by mm-hmm. little, you know. So tell us a little bit about that. So uh, going back to the first one with uh, Yolanda, that was through uh, Murder Made Me Famous, where they did the uh, the bio, well, sort of bio episode you know, uh, reality TV documentary kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and they uh, wanted to showcase Yolanda rather than Selena, but you can't separate the two. They, they, they go hand in hand. And so that was an interesting experience um, because it, a lot of people after the fact, when the episode aired, they asked me, um, so did you interview Yolanda? Did you go to the prison? Went, oh, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did not because one, I don't think they would have allowed it because she's still in solitary confinement. But two, um, just knowing how they were going to do the production mm-hmm. of it, it, it would have helped, but it would not have come through because of the way that I knew how they were going to edit mm-hmm. it. So um, I wanted to go through it from my own lens of investigating why mm-hmm. she went down this this road. And so I did my research. I because um, I remember I remember when Selena died. I was in college wow. when it happened. 
And so I'm fully aware of what mm -hmm. happened and, and even the, the trial afterward. And so I just went online and, and found some old transcripts from the trial and even uh, character testimonies from Yolanda's family and trying to piece together why she would do that mm -hmm. and why she would uh, respond the way that she did in murdering Selena. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still don't know why, but what I found was a dark, dark place, mm -hmm. a dark human. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it, it was interesting. It was a very interesting journey. I watched a lot of cartoons after every of day of filming. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I see that. Because it and but I did rather than judge her because mm -hmm. I I do have strong feelings regarding Yolanda, um, and the tragedy of of what happened with Selena. Um, I did go through in my research of Yolanda and the approachment of that of that role with a lens of non judgment and compassion. Mm -hmm just so that way I can tell the most truthful story that I could um, about Yolanda, but also about Selena. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to color with my own judgment. Right. And because that's really not the actor's place. Right. We are as, as actors, we are a conduit and we allow the audience to make their own judgments on it. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so uh, to, uh, to your question about uh, City of Dallas mm -hmm. as an opportunity for actors and film festivals, there's great potential for it. Um, it's just the tapping into that potential and to really having a focused um, push mm -hmm. for that. Because, yes, we have AFI. There's also DIFF. There's also... Um, USA Film Festival and those are all great we get some great content coming in but there's also these other film festivals surrounding in the DFW mm -hmm. Metroplex like in Denton mm -hmm. and in uh, uh, Arlington and, yes. um, and you know and, and everywhere else it's 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 just a way of garnering that enthusiasm mm -hmm. Out of a hobby mindset exactly. and into more of professional, this is what we're here to do. We have something to say. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of younger or newer to the film industry people um, are coming in with the hobby mindset, the hobby and the hustle. Mm -hmm. What I call the hobby and the hustle. They do a lot of the hustle for the hobby. Mm -hmm. But it's if you're going to do the hustle, you got to back up that work and you got to go past the fact that it's a hobby. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a bit more investment of into the work. Yes. For that. And just going around asking the questions, um, how to do a site survey, how to get the paperwork ready, how to do and also to to invest in your crew and invest in the just the quality of the work you don't necessarily have to get like a lot of equipment you can record off of your phone iphones now <laughs> record in 4k yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. so and you can download an app to to uh, edit it to do a quick edit for something mm -hmm. um it's just adding in getting the people who are uh what I would like to say, like getting people who are smarter than you and then listening to them mm -hmm. <laughs> to to really push forward on garnering that potential and making it a powerful force. Yeah, totally understand. Because just like you, there's a lot of uh, great actresses and actors. And not even yes. that, it's, it's also artists like painters, muralists. Uh, mm -hmm. I know several uh, musicians and they're they're amazing it's just a matter of the city to push that more into yes. it or invest in into that i mean obviously we're in a very weird moment now but little yeah. by little i think uh, dallas is going to be in a good place it's in a good place obviously 
it's not LA. I mean, LA is yeah. a different world. But... I remember before the pandemic, before pre-COVID, mm -hmm. there was a push for the city of Dallas to find creative people to go into the different departments of the city of Dallas uh, in their organizations to help those department heads, like say Department of Housing, Department of Culture, Department of, you know, whatever, in the city of Dallas, in city council, to uh, for creatives to go in and help them find a different viewpoint of whatever problems that are there so it's they're starting to see the value of the creative mindset yes it's they're it's like they're like the little engine that could it's like come on buddy you can do it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like it's it, it's it's almost as if they don't quite see the return yet it's like no you got to see the value first the return will always be there yeah so so mm -hmm. yeah Cool. And um, talking about music, what's your favorite mm. music genre? <laughs> <laughs> I have a rather eclectic taste. I don't have like one genre that I stick to. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I can, I can um, whatever you tell me, I can use it for the background of, of this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, my favorite music, oh, gosh. Um, it's different. It's difficult, right? It is difficult. It's a difficult. It's it because I I I I do have eclectic tastes. Like for instance, there are moments where I absolutely need to listen to 1950s doo-wop. Yes. There are times when I have to listen to jazz. Mm -hmm. There are times when I have to to listen to dubstep. Mm -hmm. Like I have to listen to metal. I have to listen to punk. Yeah, um, yeah punk rock. And like old school punk, not and not 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 some of these newer mm -mm -mm -mm. punk guys that think they're punk. No, 80s. I'm talking old school 80s. punk. Yes, yes we're, we're we're talking like the Ramones. We're talking like Soho legit Soho. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I have a lot of bands that i love maybe not a lot of people know <laughs> that i like punk but i mm -hmm. do love punk it's just yeah yeah, it's, it's, yeah. and so and uh i do listen to metal like i said and i do listen to um i listen to opera like yeah. i i i mean i was a stage manager in opera for a while so if, of course i've listened to opera <laughs> and so <laughs> and so i've gotten to know the genre of opera and classical pretty pretty well i love it um like donzanetti mm -hmm. and um puccini of course some mozart not a whole lot of wagner wagner can be a little much for me <laughs> but um but yeah i guess to nail it down oh um 80s hair metal cool <laughs> got it <laughs> you're like we're talking like donkin scorpions <laughs> death leopard i mean <laughs> you know, i particularly love uh synthwave like uh it's yes that electronic kind of like retro kind of like yes. uh you know the soundtrack of uh, stranger things Yes! That, oh my that, gosh, that is... I was listening to uh, Synthwave uh, before Stranger uh -huh. Things and all that because it, it was big, at least for yeah. me. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just big. I love it. Anyways, yeah. Y yeah, total 80s. Total <laughs> 80s Synthwave. Oh my god. That's super cool. It's good to know. It's good to know. And Elisa, yeah. any message that you want to say to the people that are listening? Follow your voice. Follow your sound. Um, yeah, just it, know know your voice so well, and don't let anybody shut you up. I mean, because because people are going to tell you you're going to be too loud. Okay, be louder. People are going to tell you you're going to be too brash. Okay, be brasher. Somebody's going to tell you you talk too softly. Well, make sure they listen. So it's it's definitely um, your voice is. It, it, it everybody talks about their looks um especially on instagram it's all about the looks but it's like no i want to i want to know your voice i want to know your voice tells me your history even at those 3 a.m talks that tells me your history that tells me who you are 
So embrace and explore your voice in all of its faults, in all of its crackling, in all of its changes, because you can't escape the changes. The changes are going to come, but your voice will always be there. Let it be loud. Let it be crackly. Let it be whatever it needs to be. Just let your voice just ring throughout. Don't yeah, ever I love shut that, up. Because uh, voice, it's 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 so important nowadays. It's 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 great. That that was mm-hmm. amazing. Thank you so much. I wish we had more yeah. time because we can be here for hours, right? <laughs> I know we could totally geek out on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, by the way, that uh, the Lion King, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's called Kimba. That Japanese uh, anime cartoon was actually from the 60s, 70s. It was not 80s. Kimba? Kimba. Okay, I'm going to have to look for that. It's pretty much a ripoff from Disney. So I'm going to just let it. Okay, okay. Because I know know, um, a lot of the storyline mimics also Hamlet, but I didn't realize that that there was an anime Kimba before there was a Simba. Uh huh. It's the same story. Ooh. Almost like, yeah, 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 it's crazy. The, the uncle, the dad that passed away, it's everything. That's almost like with Hunger Games. That's because that's uh-huh. before that was Battle Royale, which is way harsher than Hunger Games. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. It was intense. Mm. Super intense. Oh, my God. This was so amazing. Thank you so much. And believe me, uh, Even though I just met you, mm-hmm. I can tell that you shine like a real gem. Believe oh, me. Oh, thank you. Uh, believe me, and uh, and I know that uh, we're gonna stay in touch for sure. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, really, for your time, and thank you, Eduardo, for for being here as always. Thank you for inviting me again to be your wingman. Thank you, and see you next time. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you next time. Yes. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.